Welcome in to Pater Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Nick Trucial, Seth Coggin, Will Dundon in here with you to talk a lot of football. What's new? Uh, let's kick it off. We'll talk. I mean, NFL playoffs are going on. There's meltdowns. There's storylines. I don't even really know where I want to begin. Uh, I think I think I'll start with the with the Bills Bengals game just because the Bills and Josh Allen specifically are starting to turn into this regular season stats stuffer, really good team that everyone is like, this team should be in the Super Bowl, and for whatever reason, can't get there. Not the not the MO you want to have or not the reputation you want to have as a as a professional football franchise. Um, and, yeah, Josh Allen kind of takes another, you know, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, two of kind of the widely regarded, you know, top four younger guys in the game, true elite quarterbacks, head to head in the playoffs, in your building. It's snowing in Buffalo. Like that's if you're a Buffalo person or a Buffalo team, like a playoff game at home in the snow is what you have to be prepared for and like want and be ready for. And like that's that's your biggest advantage. It's like, hey, it's our building. It's snowing, but we're Buffalo. Like, we're built for this. We're meant for this. Um, You're not coming into our house. And then the Bengals just abused them all day. Um, Just had their number. Uh, Really kind of eye-opening to see them coming and just, like, dominate like that. Um, You know, maybe squeak out a win in a tight game. But, man, they they brought it to them. That's a tough look for Buffalo. Um, Like you said, I mean, kind of – honestly undeserved like they get so not undeserved like they do play a lot of good football but the true hype that they get is like Super Bowl favorites uh, AFC favorites year after year for the last several years has been I mean largely unwarranted so just a tough look and you don't get many seasons like this like I mean yeah sure they theoretically have a pretty long Super Bowl window or whatever you want to say because of Josh Allen but like you know it who's to say he's gonna have another healthy season with a good team around him. That's like, you know, they're ready to win and actually win a Super Bowl. And he just kind of blew a big chance where there's no clear favorite team the rest of the way out. I mean, I mean, these the, the best teams are probably still around, but there's not an unbeatable team out there. Um, I think so. Just a brutal missed opportunity by the Bills. Yeah, and it's like you said, I mean, the window's open, so the fact that you're not taking advantage of it is what sucks. Like, yeah, maybe maybe it's going to be open a little longer, but it's it's kind of like, what are you doing right now? I mean, you've had a few really good sh- shots with what some people say is the best quarterback in the league, with one of the best receivers in the league and Stephon Diggs, and they're both not showing up when they're most needed. Yeah, I saw a, a stat. Uh, Diggs hasn't had more than 40 receiving yards um, in each of the the last two Bills' final postseason games from the past two seasons. Um, And kind of speaking on Diggs there a little bit, did y'all see that almost locker room controversy going on where he left early, packed up his stuff, Duke Johnson, the running back uh, for the Bills, brought him back in the locker room, and then he left again. So maybe this – Super Bowl window we're talking about with the 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 superstar power uh, and the receiving core having a great defense could be broken up if uh, some of these kind of personalities don't uh, don't come back together and uh, come together as a team. So that's going to be interesting how that plays out. Yeah, and I don't know if that's Stephon Diggs being upset with like if there's some chemistry issues or 
if it's anything like that, or if it's more so he was just so pissed off that he's lost again here in the playoffs. That's that's kind of where I was at because I think a lot of people were veering towards that. Oh, maybe there's trouble in the locker room, but I I can't get a feel on that really. And Diggs is also that guy, even with Minnesota, uh, that has consistently been in the playoffs, consistent consistently winning games in the playoffs, but has never been able to to get past that conference championship. So, I mean, he he's been there um, and it has come short pretty much every year of his career. So that could just be kind of the deflation of man, I can't believe this happened again. So. Yeah, you, you don't necessarily want to read too much into it. Yeah. Only two teams in the conference, you know, host divisional playoff games. Like these opportunities don't come around all the time um, with with a healthy team to host a divisional playoff game with a chance to go to the AFC championship. Um, you only possibly get one a year. And, you know, more than likely, I mean, the Bills went on a playoff drought of what, like 20 years at one point? Where they didn't yeah, even make the playoffs at all. Four straight yeah. Super Bowls and then just yeah. a horrendous tear. So, like, they know firsthand, like, how short, you know, these windows can be if if you don't kind of seize the moment when you have it. Um, and so just another mark. And it makes you look at even the regulars, regular season success just a little bit differently, doesn't it? To say, oh, well, they've, you know, again, had so much regular season success. Yet, when it really mattered in the playoffs, they couldn't do it. And not only couldn't do it, like, you know, the year that they lost in that epic game against Kansas City, it was kind of like, well, they were right there, you know. they. But this year, it's like, man, y'all got bounced at home early by a lot. To a team in the Bengals who is good, but not, you know, otherworldly. Um, so You match up with them, yeah. Yeah, you, yeah like, that's the team you got to at least play with, and you got ran out of your own house. Like, it just makes you look at the team a little different, um, you know, and, and I'm sure everyone inside and outside the organization has got to think the same thing. I mean, it's like, say you're a GM in that position, you know, it's kind of like what J-Rob was facing last year. Like, okay, we made, we were the number one seed or whatever, number two seed, had a good year, but lost, you know, a pretty bad playoff game at home. And there obviously is some issues. Like, how do we – how do we build upon that team and actually get us over the top? Or do you make moves that break you down and like make you worse? Um, so I don't know. I like the bills. I, I, I was kind of wanting them to win. Um, but you know what? Uh, on a totally different note, I was not wanting them to win because I did not want the AFC championship game to be at a neutral site. Mm-hmm. I thought that was awful. I thought that was awful. Or I mean, I understand I understand the need in this context, but I was afraid that you put it in the neutral site one time and like they're the NFL is gonna fight to keep it a neutral site, which would make me sick. Would make yep. me sick. Was it just a weather thing? No, it was because of the seating issue. Like yeah, they the wouldn't know. Yeah, because they canceled that um Bills Bengals game. So they didn't have a, you know, direct um, seating for Bills versus mm. Kansas City uh, in terms of who would host that game. So yeah, I would not have wanted to see that. Yeah, that would have been terrible. A- actually, the thing is, as a one-off, just as a singular event, it would have been pretty interesting to have, especially if it was Bills Chiefs. Like that would have been pretty fun. But the like idea of having it year after year as a neutral site, dude, we already see so much neutral site football. Like 
I feel like in this like winter, like you I want, know it. I want, yeah, I want the AFC Championship game in Arrowhead. Like that's where I want it. That's sick. Yeah, the uh, and obviously Chiefs fans would have wanted it there. Bills fans would would have wanted it in Buffalo if it could have been. Because what would have happened is they would have put it in a dome or down in Miami or something. Most it was likely, in, it was going to be in Atlanta. Yeah, so, exactly. So there you go, and that that just takes away from playoff football. Like I get the Super Bowl being at a, I mean, obviously at a neutral site and where it's good weather and even playing field, but having those snow games and having a true home field advantage when you, I, I know it's different because technically no one earned it this year, but you know, in what it would have been in the future where you earn it, like you deserve home field and your fans deserve a home championship game. I think that's awesome as a fan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah as a It'd be a yeah. horrendous move for the fans, for the players. It takes away from the regular season, uh, the the meaning of it. And so, yeah, no, uh, not a fan of that move. Yeah, terrible, terrible. They haven't made the move yet, so, like, I won't criticize them too much yet. But uh, I don't like that they thought be, about it. I don't, even, yeah, I don't even want anyone thinking about it. That is gross. I had just this, oh, I don't even want to say this because, like, I'm afraid it'll turn into a curse. But I had, like, the worst thought of all time when I was starting kind of reading some of that news. And it was the fact that the next Super Bowl that – or the next uh, AFC championship even that's in Nashville – is going to be like a neutral site game in their stupid dome, uh, their stupid uh, new stadium. It's going to be between two other teams. And it's like the next AFC championship game in Nashville won't even involve the Titans. And it just made me just want to puke. <laughs> That's understandable. Like, watch I, yeah, it, no, I, yeah. would, I would hate that as well. Like watching the Chiefs play, even the, yeah, watching the Chiefs versus Bengals in Nashville. For the AFC Championship, when it's not would just be terrible. That Celebrating on our nightmare. field, yeah, it would be even it'd be even worse than losing on your own field. Just watching two, yeah. it's like no, we don't even have a we don't even have yeah, an we didn't even earn the right to play in our own stadium. <laughs> two teams that don't even shouldn't yeah. even be like God. That would, so, that would okay, me. so here's another thing. My thought is, is it is it predetermined where the neutral site is? Like, do they? Or is it only like what if they predetermine like if, like if the, Na- Nashville's the host, but let's say Tennessee Titans get in as a six seed, but then make the championship, but some now they're the <laughs> even though it's a neutral site, they're they're technically like or they're not technically there. Well, awesome. I guess what where I guess where it would really matter is if you have a neutral site game for the championship. I guess you have to split tickets, right? Yeah. Like you wouldn't just like yeah, would, fans wouldn't get majority tickets. Yeah, that's you know? true. But but that is true. But it would still be in their house. Mm-hmm. Still be a little something. But I doubt they would do that. I mean, let's just let's just drop it. Let's not even give the NFL more <laughs> fodder. Like I don't even want yeah. to put this out there. Yeah, we'll 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 talk. I do want to talk a little about the Bengals just because the ties I have to the Bengals is there are a few Husker ties there. Cam Taylor Britt with the game ceiling interception uh, was a Husker last year. Zach Taylor, obviously the head coach, former Nebraska quarterback. And I'm trying to think there were, there was an analyst or an announcer who mentioned it during the game. I think Zach Taylor. The last couple years, wasn't really getting a lot of credit just because of the talent he was kind of given basically, but showing that he's, gotten back to two AFC championships in a row is really a testament to him uh, and just proving that he's a legit head coach in the NFL, because obviously he's, he just went up against 
one of the most talented teams in the NFL and McDermott, who's a great offensive mind, I think. I mean, he didn't he didn't really show it, but but no, I just did want to give a quick shout out to Zach Taylor and Bengals look good. I mean, and it has me thinking, Seth, I mentioned this in a group text. The Bengals went skill first. Obviously, it took them a year of kind of growing pains. And even last year, they didn't have a good offensive line. They showed it and they still made it to the Super Bowl. So not to get two Titans on it, but we are all Titans fans. Is that a route the Titans should take going forward, uh, especially with some question marks heading into this offseason all around the offensive side of the ball? Do you go skill first or do you start trying to build that offensive line? Yeah, it's fantastic. Fantastic point you bring up. And, you know, that is why we hire a man, Rand Carthorn, uh, Carthorn, to make those decisions because there could be a lot of different answers you could kind of go with because on one hand, and this is probably what I kind of subscribe to, is that if there's elite, like, skill and talent and, you know, elite skill positions available that can actually separate and be, you know, game changers, you do need – like you can start with those players, like getting those players on your team can also cover a lot of gaps that you have like elite. And, and so like getting those guys in first um, and then, and then kind of filling holes um, with either kind of veterans or other, you know, later draft picks, stuff like that is theoretically kind of, um, I mean, I would say a little bit better, but what they really did is lock down their, their quarterback. I mean, you know, you can have a couple great wide receivers, but if you really don't have anybody at the QB position, it don't really matter. But a great quarterback takes really good wide receivers and makes them amazing and makes them great. Um, So I think that was what really helped the band. I mean, let's be honest, like getting Joe Burrow. Like there's not many of that level, that type quarterback that come through the NFL like that, there is just not many guys on that level that even come through. Like, you know, he's what on a tier and on a tier right now with Mahomes. Yeah, yeah that's pretty. I mean, like, that's the, pretty much it. Guys in the, yeah, I, I mean, I think he's past Allen. I think the two that's guys what, well, in the AFC was, are Mahomes yeah. and Burrow. He, they had their kind of face off, and it wasn't like a oh, you know, great game. It was pretty much like no, Burrow is kind of the man like he's leading like he's the one leading his team to a big road playoff win. um so you know getting a guy like that and it solves a lot of problems like you said they had a rough offensive line but it was overcome by just you know really good quarterback play um so if you could get if you can get your quarterback your quarterback like the titans have still truly never done that since steve mcnair like where they draft a guy and he's their guy for a while like he is their starting quarterback capable of taking them to whatever uh, ryan Tannehill has been a fantastic like i don't even know how would you even describe transaction like you got and, you brought him in originally pro- like on a pretty good deal considering you brought him in as a backup and he elevated but then you paid him it's kind of the same thing I say about Dak Prescott. It's like, oh, he's great for a fourth round pick, but then I mean you but go then you ahead. You pay and- him like a 40, you paid him like, you know, one of the top guys in the league. I would say like Tannehill's been a true professional. Like he came mm-hmm. in, has given us a lot of starts, 
has run the offense well, has handled himself well, has been a leader of our franchise, but he's still not quite like a franchise quarterback where it's like we're sticking all our hope. And as long as we got X guy under center, like we got a chance this week. Like, yeah, I think Tannehill can go help us win a lot of, and he has helped us win a lot of games, but he cannot be like, okay, we're going on the road in Buffalo in the playoffs. Like, all right, we're putting it all on, you know, we're putting it all on Tanny. No, like when Burrow's there, it's like, all right, we're putting it on Burrow. Like Joe's going to get us a win, (laughs) but you know, it's hard to find those kind of guys. So I think find that guy. So that's my draft, my best, like, you know, advice. Well, and to kind of, I'm going to kind of argue, but kind of run along the same lines we're going, especially since you mentioned the Titans new GM rank. Is it Carthon or Cathorn? How do you say Carthon? it? Uh, I think it's C-A-R-T-H-O-N. Carthon? Okay. Anyway, he came from the Niners, right? And we're seeing this right now with the Niners going to the NFC Championship where you have a good offensive line, but then you have just ungodly skill players uh, in McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle. I mean, maybe like arguably the three best p- players at their position in the NFL. And you have a guy in Brock Purdy who's really just, I mean, he's good. Don't get me wrong, but he's a serviceable guy in an excellent system with amazing skill players around him. So could you even, if you're the Titans, I mean, it's, it's hard to say because you can't just get all of those kind of guys. I mean, you have one piece, you have Derrick Henry. Now it's not the same. It wouldn't be the same kind of offense, but is there a situation where you can find a decent QB and build just an insane system and talent around him that you could have the same situation they have? And I say that because Carthon is here now and hopefully, and we're hoping he does kind of the same things he did with the Niners. Yeah, that is true. We are we are directly following like the Niners model. Like that that's one of the reasons we got ran as our new GM is because he's with the 49ers. So yeah, if you can find guys like that many guys that are elevated at their position, like all those guys you mentioned, uh, especially on the 49ers skill pieces on their offense, are like well above the average NFL player at that position. If not towards the very top. And they're all used like exactly to their skills. See, it, it's also a perfect merge of having really good players with a lot of skill and also tailoring a really effective system to those players, making it so effective that, yeah, even Brock Purdy, who I, I don't think like he's not like, actually going to be. Yeah, like, Brock Purdy's not walking into every NFL offense and reeling off eight straight wins. Correct. I, I'll, I'll yeah. just pretty much say that. Um, so I think that is, that shows where you really have a merge of your system and your personnel, and you're willing to be a little flexible on like how you use that personnel to make them work as well as they do. And they do what Brock Purdy does well too. They don't make Purdy try to do too much either. Um, just let, let those guys make plays. Um, but yeah, but it's hard, it's hard to find all those guys. Um, and it's, it's honestly kind of even crazy that they got brought McCaffrey in, um, you know, Debo and then they, those were kind of through their own system, but to bring in another guy like McCaffrey, um, just makes it just, you know, take off. So yeah, there's a lot of ways to go about it. Um, and I say that knowing, I mean, there's not, you can't just go out and get a Debo Samuel, you know, 
but it may i mean it makes me think back and this is all you know gonna make me sad but you go back to the arthur smith offense where you have Tannehill having 40 touchdowns to seven interceptions and you have you have an aj brown one of the best receivers in the league you have the best running back in the league and you have a guy in Corey davis who's your number two similar yeah, to yeah. how iuk is the niners number yeah. two like you have a really good receiver there and you're filled with good talent uh yeah, and I was going to say that number a good two tight end system. It's not the same as Kittle, but we had a good kind of set of tight ends there too. Yeah, I was going to say that that number two receiver is really big, um, because it makes well. Also, it not only makes number one receiver better, it also makes number three receiver a lot better. If that makes sense, <laughs> like having that real strong stud at number two who can be kind of a you know there was times when Corey Davis would have pretty big games with a lot of catches. Um, and you can elevate the play of everyone else on the team. So, and right now they do not have that at all. Like that was, that was one thing that was so evidently missing from the Titans offense is just receivers in general. Just like, yeah, you saw Hooper at tight end, make a few plays like down the stretch. I felt like he kind of came as a receiver and the tight ends were decent. Um, I could even go for a little, like an expanded role for Chig probably, but, yeah, the receiving room was so desolate. I mean, so much so that it got John Robinson fired. <laughs> like that one single room had more impact on him getting fired than like because it's so glaringly obvious. Especially when you know a huge chunk of your offense has to be thrown on a rookie wide receiver, and then you know then he misses a few games and it and it just looks just pathetic. Robert Woods is no threat at all besides, you know, moving the chains every now and then. Like, did he once? I saw a chart where he was the least effective. He was the least effective downhill downfield receiver in the NFL. Like, he posed no threat at all to beat you deep. Um, so, Yeah, no, that was – the Robert Woods thing ended up being a flop because he was nowhere near what you hoped he would be. And I think going along with what you said, Seth, having a great number two, I think Traylon Burks – it, like he didn't show it this year. I mean, we saw flashes, but I think he's better than Brandon Ayuk. Like I think he will be anyway. But that might I'm I'm kind of turning to that might be what I hope the Titans can figure out and Ron Cathorn can figure out the most this offseason is finding another just true weapon. Because yeah, you said with weapon. Derek, I think we we've said it many times. I think Derek has a couple good years left in him to get what like over a thousand yards and probably well over a thousand yards at least for the next year or two. Um, so if you can just find a really good threat at the receiver position, I think that really could change the whole offense, even if you stick with Tannehill for another year. Like like we're saying, like I think a serviceable guy can do it. Now, do I think they would go to a Super Bowl with just one more piece? Obviously not. I think there's a lot more you'd have to fill in. But I think that might be number one for me right now in the offseason for the Titans. Yeah. I think the problems – I. I feel like our one offseason away, if done truly effectively, from being a you know a lot better. Like yeah, that's know, what I'm saying. Between a lot a, better, yeah. Between a few good draft, like a few good draft choices, maybe two free agents, good free agent signings, and like one trade away from having a good offense. It's pretty. It's right there in front of us. <laughs> um, but the unfortunately the Titans have a like just a massive problem at left tackle, which is terrible. Like even if a lot of you can't hide a left tackle, 
that is the that is another big problem with like having a struggling at that position is that is the one most glaring like brightest spotlight for an offensive lineman like your left guard if he's not the strongest can probably be overcome you know either guard if like you know that they can be a liability but at left guard you're just on an island a lot of times and and too far too often and the fact that we didn't even have anyone like step up and start in place of Dennis Daly is really, really telling and really bad, really bad. Well, and there's got to be a way you can. There, there's got to be some money somewhere for a left tackle. Like, yeah, yeah get, I mean, get there's rid of somebody Lamont better and, than Dennis Daly. Somebody. Yeah, exactly. Like, you don't have to spend that much. That's what I'm saying. Like, and, and that is yeah. credit to the Niners because. I saw a video of I don't even know his name, but their left tackle Trent Williams. Oh yeah, well see they they oh, went yeah. and got out they went and got a stud stud at left tackle. Got what we're talking about like that. Yeah, they got a beast. Yeah, the Niners good for them, man. Let, uh, let's talk about that game a little bit too. Niners Cowboys. I don't even have a whole lot to say about it, but I, I mean just, just threw it away. Really, he even I said mean the himself. ineptness of the last. I mean, well let's first of all, I was feeling for my former Husker Brett Maher. Uh, coming off four missed extra points. Of course. Well, five missed, five straight after he missed that one in yeah. the first quarter. Yeah, after he missed that one that was blocked, that had no chance of going in. But luckily, hey, he reeled it in. They made they made two field goals. And I was just – I saw a seven-point deficit on the board, and I said, Cowboys are scoring a touchdown. This is coming down to a Brett Maher extra point. This is going to be the most anticipated extra point in NFL history. That would be so funny. Uh, but I, the, the Cowboys – it kind of lined up like their wild card game last year where they have just so little time on the clock and they slowly move the ball, but obviously the play to a uh, dude, the Schultz. whole drive was terrible. Dalton Schultz made two boneheaded mistakes with uh, going backwards out of bounds to keep the clock rolling yep. and then not making that second catch. And then the last play call they had was maybe the worst final play call the hook and ladder, lateral call. I don't even know what it was. They weren't able to to get anything off because I, I can't even remember who caught it, but he got slammed the second he touched the ball. It was just – I think it was – yeah, I think it was Turpin. And this is what I said, Trucial. I said this to Seth in a text. What was even the point of throwing like an in route or a dig route, whatever, if you had Ezekiel Elliott playing center, no one was really rushing you. Once Dak kind of moved around a little, then someone came in. But I was like, what's the point in doing this – don't don't take time doing it first of all because that just gave them a chance to make a play on the receiver. But just start laddering the ball, lateraling the ball is what I was thinking. Yeah, it seems like at, uh, just adding an extra step that wastes time. And... and no one was really around him. There was an offensive lineman that was the closest guy to him. Yeah, I mean it was terrible. I don't know what Mike McCarthy was thinking. The, the Cowboys might need to to move on from him. I Already, mean, yeah. It's quick to say that they've been to the playoffs back to back years, and but I mean, if the goal is to win championships, I don't know if Mike McCarthy is your answer. Well, that's why you fired Jason Garrett, right? Yeah, I mean, he'll get you in the playoffs. Yeah, but they're never. Uh, I think. I think. Uh, I think Dak's got to go. To be quite honest, I mean, he played yeah. terrible. I mean, he was the reason they lost pretty much. He has, like, never truly stepped up when it was like, gotta have you. Everything's on the line. Yeah. He's not a guy. You know he's not, a like, a true uh, 
all all on his back. Like we're gonna go to the Super Bowl just on Dak's shoulders. Like that's not happening. It's not happening when he's fully healthy. It's not happening. Like he is. He's thrown so many interceptions this year. Like it, this isn't just a problem in this game that he threw a couple interceptions. He's been doing it all year. He's been doing it all year. I think the Cowboys need to go all in on Aaron Rodgers, reunite him with McCarthy down in Dallas. I think that ex- and and bring in the ultimate villain and maybe try to win a ship on his way out while you figure out your future quarterback plans. That'd be my thought. I don't know. Dude, we also forgot to mention Dak almost took a safety on that last drive. Yeah, he got yeah. smacked and because He got the, lucky cuz the guy didn't the guy Because of the new rules. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. He, Dude, I would have just taken off. my I you you got to take your Dude, chance there. 10 years like, ago, you, Dak would have had a hole through his chest like he would have been clobbered maybe 15 years ago, but No, and I I'm kind of with you Seth. You do I mean, you got to just hit the guy. You're already there. Yeah. You make the play. But it it does suck because we've put I mean not we but the NFL has put that fear into defensive linemen and linebackers now to where you can't hit the quarterback and I mean obviously it didn't it ended up not mattering but I I thought that same thing crucial when I saw it happen because you could tell he let up and Dak was able to bounce off and at least get the ball away but I that did have me just a little upset with the whole with all the rules that we have going on now I uh, it's gonna be a little hot take here but. I think we should do everything in our power to unprotect the quarterback. I think that there's already five players on the field whose job is to protect the quarterback. If you get to the quarterback, you should be able to hit them however and however you want. Clobber them. Yeah, you should be able to like there's no targeting, there's no nothing on the quarterback. <laughs> like you it is the quarterback is free reign. What I hate is when the quarterback gets outside of the pocket is like halfway sliding in and he gets hit like barely on his head. Like, you know, some guy might have even been trying to get out of the way. And it's like, dude, at some point, this guy's just a football player. Like he's just because he's the quarterback. He's he's sliding down. He's changing his angle so much. Like it's, it's just a crit. How can you expect players to go full speed and then instantaneously pull up and like change? Like, that's just not how it works. Especially uh, when you have quarterbacks that know they have that protection and they'll wait to the very last second. And I get it. To I mean, you got to get more yards and everything a lot of times, but they're waiting till the last possible second to slide down. And if you're a defender at a certain point, it's like, I don't know if he's going down. I've got to make a play at some point. At some point, I just got to decide whether to hit him or not. Yeah, but it was like well, that play Kenny Pickett made when he did the fake slide. Like, at some point, they're – some point you just gotta let the guys play. I, I'm in the uh, a believer of these are grown men knowing exactly what they signed up for. They know the risks. They're getting paid millions of dollars. Let them go out there and have an absolute gladiator match and battle it out. Like that's what the fans want to see. Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it back down to earth a little bit because I get if he's standing in the pocket, I get helmet to helmet and everything. But I I'm with you, Seth, at least on the. Once he starts scrambling outside the pocket, he's a ball carrier at that point. You just – whatever happens, happens at that point. Maybe we can – I think uh, we're far I think we're far past that, though, sadly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know if Goodell would ever go for that. And with all the CTE stuff that has come out and 
I don't know if it'd be a good look. What kind of uh, totally random thought here? What kind of waiver do you sign when you play in the NFL? I don't know. I feel like there's got to be, especially of recent, some sort of CTE thing. Like, you know, you're because I think that's what was happening, right? Did you have some old guys with CTE obviously getting some sort of mental or brain problems, probably suing the NFL? Yeah, I don't really know, you know, but the NFL does have pension and stuff for players, but, you know, it's not given to all players, like, you got to play X number of years or whatever. Um, I don't know. It's like you can't blame. It's kind of like when you go to the trampoline park, you got to sign a waiver, right? Like I know I could snap my my leg in half going into this thing. Like if it happens, I can't blame the trampoline park. I'm choosing to put myself <laughs> in this situation. Kind of the same thing I, in the NFL, yeah. which unfortunately, I'm not trying to make light of like really serious like you know, stuff of consciousness and brain injury and stuff like that. But I'm just saying in all things in life, we do accept, you know, the consequences that come with the things that we choose, whether they be positive or negative. And there are certainly some negative possible consequences of playing football, um, serious injury uh, to, you know, Ned, neck, head, or other, any other body part is possible. Um, but you kind of have to sign that waiver and say, well, yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the mindset I've had on it for a long time. Uh, I mean, you're get that's why you're getting paid so much, not only because it's the entertainment industry and that it brings in a lot of money, but because you are, yeah, it's dangerous. It's the same thing. If you're this, I mean, this is a little bit of a stretch, but think about, like if you're talking about hourly jobs and stuff, construction workers like get paid a, more than a lot of other hourly jobs because they're working with heavy machinery and on job sites that there could be danger that happens to them. They get paid more because they work a dangerous job. Yeah, it's just how, how things work. And at the end of the day, the NFL is a business. Um and uh, I feel like, and I, I've heard a lot of players say that as well. Like, I know we know what we've signed up for. And obviously, I think putting in research to making the helmets better protect heads and uh, put everything in a, a position to not get these players hurt. But look, I mean, this, this is grown men in football. They know what uh, is going to happen out on that gridiron. Yeah. Um. What was the other? Oh, so we did have the Chiefs Jags game. I was kind of, I, I want to hear y'all's thoughts on this just because I'm kind of, I was kind of pulling for the Jags and I saw a lot of Titans fans split on that. But I think I didn't want the Jags to win a Super Bowl or anything. But that I did kind of want to see them. They made the AFC Championship and lost. Yeah, I wanted to see them succeed just because they did have that underdog story. I actually, I mean, I like Trevor Lawrence and I like Doug Peterson, honestly. Yeah. So. I was pulling for them a little bit and I'm really, I mean, it's, it's a two way street because now I'm scared of Doug Peterson and what he's going to do with the Jags in the AFC South, but also props to him. Could be one of the premier divisions here very, very soon with uh, depending on who, who Houston and Indy end up with at quarterback. It could Mm -hmm. be, uh, it could be a big turn of events here for the AFC South here soon. We'll see though. Nah, overrated. Jags, 
had one of the easiest schedules in the NFL, barely made the division over the Titans, who, I mean, let's be real, were one of the worst NFL teams I've watched. I've watched in a while. Well, not really. I mean, I watched the Colts this year a little bit and the Texans, although the Texans did beat the Titans. That's what I'm saying. The Titans were so bad there at the end. Um, But, like, yeah, Trevor Lawrence looked pretty good, but then threw five interceptions in two games in the playoffs. You know, they did have a great comeback win against the Chargers, who are very dysfunctional in their own right. Um, Mm -hmm. I was not rooting for the Jags. I was not rooting for anyone so I only root for the, the Razorbacks and the Titans. And then I may want some teams to win or like, ho- like I was hoping that the Cowboys would win. I did want that to happen, but even then it don't hurt when the clock hits zero, you know, like yeah. it was like, Oh man, bummer. Turn it off. No big deal. Like when the Titans, when, when clocks hit zero on the Titans story. and it is like that, that, that pain lingers on, um, but I probably was not wanting the Jags to win just because, yeah, I'm petty and they are a rival and I, I do not want to see them in the um, AFC championship for it. Like, I just don't want it. <laughs> I would have been fine with it. I don't really care. I really don't have any disdain. I actually did think what they had going there was pretty cool. I, it was just good to see energy in Jackson, but like, I want, like, I, I do want the other teams in our division to like, be in through it's not that fun even as like a titans fan to know we're playing at jacksonville and just it's like oh it's a dead game like there's not no fan the fans don't care it's like i don't know it's just no energy for that game so i'm excited um i'd pump the brakes a little bit on like jags being like next up in the afc like i don't know they they really did play i mean because that's how scheduling works is, you know, you guys know that in the NFL, like if you're fourth in the division, you might, you, you kind of pair up with the fourth place team in all the other divisions um, for at least part of your schedule. So a good part of their schedule is playing like the worst teams uh, in the NFL. So, uh, you know, they did hurt Mahomes, which is could could prove to be very costly for the chiefs, which is pretty rough. You don't want to see that. Like, I'm not, I do not, I do not like the Chiefs. Those are two of my least favorite teams. Like, I do not like the Chiefs at all, but you don't want to see them go down with an injury. Like, if, yeah. if someone beats the Chiefs, I want them to beat them straight up with Mahomes out there playing good. Like, I don't want, you know, and that goes for if the, t- I mean, that's a t- tough thing if like your own team's playing them because it's like, yeah, well, so- you know, Ooh. I wouldn't mind if Mahomes is a little gimpy for us to maybe make it to the championship or the Super Bowl, but. You know, I still would rather beat them at their best, um, but it may be a little easier to beat them if they're not at their best. So, yeah, and I think I'm going to pump the brakes on the AFC South just because the Colts, you look at them, their owner's an idiot. They don't have a coach. Dude, their they owner, Jim, Jim Ursay is dumb. <laughs> what is going on there? What is going on in that guy's like, head? I, I think it's going to take more than just a quarterback, even if they draft Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. And then I look over at the Texans and they refuse to keep a coach either. They don't have a coach right now. So it's it's hard to say. I mean, there's so many problems over there too. And I mean, like, the AFC South is far from being I think a top division. Yeah. There's but a reason there is, there's a reason they're drafting in the top three or top four. Yeah. 
but, but there I, is it's you you can look at it and say if they made a couple big splashes things could look a little different but you can't expect a you can't expect a rookie quarterback to just save all immediately even if he's great it might take three you know yeah we even if they're both like truly top level guys it's they're still three years away from being like you know a true strong strong team in my eyes um so on the upward trajectory yes and yeah you are probably looking at you know really good young quarterbacks in the division but we'll see if they're you know they all put, install just great quarterbacks or more than likely at least one of the guys will be maybe not a bust but probably not great you know that's just kind of how the NFL draft goes like you could draft all right out of Bryce Young and CJ Stroud like chances are i mean they're going to go they're going to an organization that's not exactly like the healthiest or like in the best shape at the moment like one of at least one of them is one of them may overcome it and like you know be amazing but chances are one of them's kind of middling decent Mariota type whereas like okay you know he played several years in the league he wasn't a total bust um but he also wasn't like a transcendental like franchise quarterback um and they also might draft Will Levis so we always have that hope I I mean if something like that happens on draft night I will have a party I will have a celebration if Will Lab Will Levis yeah. Will Levis to the Colts turn especially would turn if me they tra- would turn me up. up to go get Will Levis too. I that would freak would be out. The sweetest, sweetest thing to see if they give up like three first round picks for Will Levis and then he just like tears the Indianapolis Colts franchise inside and um, from inside out. That would be. I mean, that's dream scenario. That is dream scenario. Who do we – we we didn't talk a lot about the Eagles, but who do you all like? Who's your Super Bowl matchup? I would like the Eagles. I'm probably going for the – I like the Eagles. I like yeah, Philadelphia. I want Kern to win a ring, so I'm going for the Eagles. Uh, and A.J. Brown, I kind of want him to, to win a ring too. So. I like A.J. Brown. Like, I know a lot of Titans fans like hate A.J. Brown kind of, but I like him. I mean, I dislike J-Rob for trading him, but – like I don't really dislike. At first, I kind of did, but at this, but then I kind of came around to the fact where I think J. Rob was a bigger problem than AJ Brown in that whole situation. In yeah. terms of keeping, in terms of keeping AJ Brown on the Titans, I don't think AJ Brown ever said no. I'm not playing for the Titans. Like I think he would have played for us had we just met him at a little more reasonable place, which obviously was reasonable, and like. I think this is kind of the deal with like Amy Adams is saying, no, I am stepping up. Like we, we will pay elite players like to not, what are you doing? Like we, we want to be a serious franchise and pay players like good enough to win a Super Bowl. Yeah. So y'all are going with the Eagles. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going with the Eagles and Bengals. Eagles, Bengals. I like that. That's what I'd like to see. I don't really – I really – the AFC makes me sick because, like, even just last year, the Titans were kind of on the level of these teams. Um, I'll go – I'll go Bengals-Eagles, too. Yeah, that seems prob- – yeah, that'd be fun. I'd like that. I'd go yeah. Eagles on top. I think I'm going to say – I like the 49ers. I like the 49ers a lot. I was going to say, I think I'm actually going to go Niners-Bengals. 
So I guess we're all going Bengals. We'll see how Mahomes looks. That's going to be the biggest. I think it's going to be bad. I don't think he's going to be good. I mean, he he look, his throws did not look on point after he came back. Well, in. It, that's like in that injury seems so much worse after the adrenaline. Like after he gets off that field and it's over for the night. I'm telling you, I'm just the that, next that morning. Seems, yeah, well, that, they had to have shot him up with some stuff, right? Yeah, to try oh, to yeah. ask it a little gonna, bit. They're going to shoot him up right before the game uh, next week. This yeah. Weekend, so we'll see. He's got to be hurting though. But hey, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Niners Bengals. Yeah. I just I like think that. I, I I love like San Fran. I'm not taking a lot into Hurts versus Purdy. I just think the Niners offense, like Shanahan's offense with Debo McCaffrey and Kittle, like it's just it just works. Um, yeah. And we'll see. I mean, obviously the Eagles have been pretty much the best team all year, so it's going to be a good matchup there. But I'm kind of with y'all. I think. Especially Mahomes, like we, I don't think he's going to be in good shape. I'm going to go with the Bengals and Burrow back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, the Bengals kind of just have the playoff magic. Like they kind of just know how to win and and get it done. I'm not betting against Joe Burrow right now. So, and I do. I love the 49ers. Actually, that's my favorite matchup. Those are my two favorite teams left for sure. and I just think at home in Philly, it's going to be tough. I think they're going to put enough points up. Like, Purdy's really going to have to kind of take it to the next level. Like, yeah, they won the other day, but, I mean, what, they scored 19 points. Yeah, they didn't it, score a lot. That's the only yeah, thing. It, I'm, I'm saying all these offensive weapons they have, but, yeah, they didn't put up a ton of points. And, and yeah, the, oh, the Cowboys blew that because, like, yeah, San Fran's good, but they could have. You got to score nineteen to get a win in the playoffs. Like, you got to score twenty points. You got to be able to score twenty points. So, um, I love San Fran, but give me Philly, baby. Fly, yeah, Eagles, we talked, fly. We, we talked a ton about. I mean, obviously, the Cowboys' heartbreak. Heartbreak all over the place, really, in these playoffs. But uh, we we decided to do a little segment. I texted the guys before the show. Our greatest meltdowns uh, in our own fandom history. So I think we all have at least a couple games. I I know a couple right off the bat. I hope a couple more come to me. But I'll let any of you kick it off with just some games that absolutely broke you. I'm talking, uh, Seth, what made me think of it is you tweeted out about the infamous – Auburn Arkansas game where Bo Nix fumbles the ball and they call mm. it a spike. Yeah. Uh, and you ended up smashing a TV yeah. and it felt great. And I know yes. that feeling. So we uh we saw quite a few, you know, viral meltdowns. And this seems to be kind of a yearly occurrence when the Cowboys exit the playoffs, that there are some sort of just, you know, smashing of a TV, throwing something outside, uh, throwing your phone into the wall, just free. Freaking out, just all kinds of meltdowns. And it's not exclusive to Cowboys fans, but there were a few specific videos of Cowboys fans smashing TVs that really did kind of bring um bring that fire uh and bring bring that remembrance of those those moments in life and in sports life where you get you care so much, you care so deeply about about a game that we like to play, um, that it just kind of takes over. I call them meltdowns um, really just where your emotions are just take the best of you where it's, it's not even, sometimes it's been anger. Sometimes it's been pure, just disbelief there. There've been time, but it's just kind of where you're overcome 
and, and you're behaving kind of outside of maybe your normal, uh, your normal self. And, and I, I kind of mentioned this too, uh, there on Twitter, we have, I mean, coming from a bat, not to hate on ourselves, but you know, between the Vols, the Titans, the Razorbacks, the Huskers, we come from a, a lot of tough losses in the last 25 years. Um, and so I think if anyone can speak to like losing after meltdowns, it's kind of us. Yeah, we we smashed up a TV real good. This was we had an outside garage. Um, and, and I mean, Auburn was enemy number one for us for a long time. Just Gus Malzahn was spurning the Razorbacks. They had hired Chad Morris, who had just ran our program into the ground. He was their offensive coordinator. Anyway, just a lot of hate uh, in our hearts for Auburn. And we get him in 2020 at Auburn. Uh, play them tight the whole game, super close game. They are driving down two points for a game-winning field goal or touchdown, but they're kind of going to settle for a field goal. Bo Nix goes to – he goes to clock the ball, right, to just stop the clock there in field goal range. Well, he fumbles the snap, and he tries to spike it, but he throws the ball backwards, so he spikes it into the ground, but he throws it backwards, meaning it would be a fumble. Now, a little bit of chaos ensued. The Razorbacks did, in fact, recover the ball. Um, immediately. And, yeah. Well, fairly immediately. I will say it was it was within the frame, like nothing, ex- but it wasn't like they, yeah. So apparently some whistles had been called. They went to review it. They said they couldn't determine uh, I, I don't, I can't even, I, I don't, I'm going to get hot right now thinking about it. I can't even remember their explanation of why they couldn't re overturn the, it, they even said it was a backwards pass, but there was no clear recovery, even though there was, like you said, clear, it was clear recovery by the Razorbacks. Um, anyway, they let the call stand. He clocked the ball. They kicked the last second field goal to win and it did erupt. Now, personally, this actually wasn't one of my larger meltdowns. While I did enjoy bashing the TV, uh, I would have to say my roommate Rob took it a little next. Like this was a this was an up there meltdown for him. Uh, and you know, you never really know when you know a few drinks may align with a tough loss and <laughs> e- an equal just a terrible, terrible meltdown. So yeah, he took a TV and it was already broken. Like he didn't pull a TV off the wall or anything like that. But we did, he tossed it out in the street and then we did have a good time bashing it. And I will say it was pretty cathartic, like to let out that it was, we were just like, this sucks. Like, like the SEC rests are terrible, just going off on it. Uh, and then, so honestly, kind of a good release in that particular meltdown. But I got, I, I got several more, but I'll let a little round table go. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll each kind of share one and then go back around, uh, no, I do just want to give a quick shout out to Rob because I've seen Rob. Uh, he can get oh Rob. Yeah, I, I don't know if violence the right word, but kind of similar. Uh, over over not a lot. I remember a night uh, in Fayetteville that I got to visit you, Seth. Rob Rob was leading us back on a walk and just had a temper tantrum over the scooters. Over the big, scooter, big, yeah. Big well, anti scooter guy. I saw, that thing. I saw Rob awesome. launch. Yeah, I saw. Rob oh, I did. He did launch some. Just he yelling always... about how he hated scooters. Rob, big biker, by the way. So shout out, Rob. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and give. So I'm lucky because I did think of one fairly recently that I wasn't thinking of before the podcast started recording. A couple years ago, the Huskers were playing Michigan under the lights. 
you know, where I think the Huskers were probably playing for maybe a bowl game still. I mean, there were games left on uh, the schedule, obviously, but this was probably to still have a prayer at a bowl game or something. <clears throat> but anyway, Michigan's coming in undefeated, playoff hopes, everything. And it was one of the best games I've ever watched. It was probably the best called game by Scott Frost. Some of the touchdowns we were scoring on some of the play calls that he was making were just beautiful to watch. I mean, it was total uh, just exposing the Michigan defense at their weaknesses every time on each touchdown score. And we're going back and forth. And finally, game-winning drive on the line. Adrian Martinez, uh, who's been known to fumble in the late moments uh we'll get we'll get more into that in a second but i i went into that drive thinking we're going to win this game just the energy around it the way the offense had been playing well against this michigan defense i thought we're going to win this game and it comes down to this play where adrian martinez takes off to kind of run on a qb draw i think something like that anyway he's running it kind of piles up and and stockpiles in the middle and it 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 just stops for a little bit. It's kind of pausing and there's no whistle. And I'm yelling at the TV, blow the whistle, blow the whistle. And then Aiden Hutchinson comes in and basically takes a dirty shot at Martinez's knees, ankles, just goes straight for the legs. The ball pops out and Michigan recovers it. And I couldn't believe it. Everyone was asking, did they blow a whistle? Did they blow the whistle? And no, they didn't. So Michigan recovers and seals the game. And it was oh, it was awful because I think right before that we had caught oh that's what it was he had thrown a pass to Oliver Martin that had gotten tipped and he caught and took off for a first down I said this is just our night because it was kind of a fate play right there Ooh. and I remember the whole non whistle after that game my dad is notorious for going to the driving range during Husker games because he just can't take it and he comes back home after the game's over. My mom's in the kitchen. Madison, my wife, is with me. And my dad just, he just kind of shakes his head and he's like, what happened? And I swear, it had to have been the first time I ever dropped the F-bomb in front of my parents. And I just said, we got F'd, like, right to him. <laughs> and I couldn't handle it. And he just said, he it was it was a sweet moment between a father and son. He just said, I know, I know buddy, I know the feeling. And just, we embraced, <laughs> we embraced and it was it was beautiful and sad all together. That's, I mean, that's how Dundon's come together is over Nebraska Cornhusker heartbreak. Uh, that just. It's in the genes, man. It's yeah. in the genes. Your dad knew. I mean, he's going to the driving range during the game. Like he did know. He's like, yeah, I know. So I know what this outcome is going to be. <laughs> well, and what's sad is he lived through the glory days, you know? Yeah. So he's been, he's truly been broken over the past my lifetime basically um besides the very beginning of my lifetime he i mean i feel bad for him he got to experience it he saw the highs and now he's in the lows but not for long yeah, yeah hopefully they can turn it around i was think i thought of one here uh recently that just happened last season uh in that a lot of fans i would say had a meltdown at was the tennessee old miss game in knoxville i was there uh, for that yeah yeah and the the Matt Corral scooping score that was somehow called back that we would have won the game and then to top well, there was no off, whistle yeah it it was ridiculous that was another I mean there was all so many plays in that game that I mean every Tennessee fan hated Greg Sankey and the SEC rest after that um, game I could tell you that much but then 
to lose the game, uh, we we have a chance to then have Joe Milton just run straight out of bounds, <laughs> not even throw a pass, uh, and just end the game with Joe Milton running out of bounds. It couldn't have ended worse, which then led to the nationwide travesty and uh, horrendous act that uh, went across national media in the Tennessee fans throwing mustard bottles and golf balls onto the field. Um, hey, I mean, those refs deserved it. And uh, I hope that, that that golf ball nailed Lane Kevin right in the head. Well, and Seth, <laughs> before you get to your next one, Trucial, I, so I, like I said, I was at that game and I had to have just done the math wrong in my head because we left before that last play even happened. And I remember walking out because I thought, I thought Ole Miss – I thought the clock lined up to where they could just run out the clock. So we left and we're walking out uh, right kind of behind Gus's and walking around. And I noticed this giant crowd outside of someone's apartment window who had the game on on their TV. So we're all thinking, oh, my gosh, like there's still a chance we have the ball somehow. And you see first before Joe Milton runs out of bounds, <laughs> he throws a heat seeking missile to I don't even remember maybe it was Hyatt honestly to someone that just had if he if he has any touch on the ball it could have been a touchdown catch as well and then you see him run out of bounds and everyone's yelling what in the world are you doing that was a tough one for sure yeah they they do come I feel like officials getting in the getting in the mix always heats up the pot losing is one thing uh, but my my most visceral memory of a true meltdown, like incomprehensible meltdown of, of a like the true just melting down of a brain and reducing it to nothing was when I sat and watched Nick Starkle throw five interceptions against San Jose state in our house and beat the Arkansas Razorbacks back in 2019. Uh, so I set through I set through quite a few of the worst. Like in the four years I was there at school, I think we probably had four or five of the worst ten losses in program history. Like dark ages of the program was when I was there. But nothing, nothing made me truly lose my mind more than Nick Stark will throw in five interceptions. So you know, San Jose State's coming. They're not even a good like. It's not like they're a power, uh, they're not North whatever. Dakota State yeah, or they're, something. they're not a power, uh, Mountain West school coming into Fayetteville. You know, quarterback had been turbulent all season. You got Nick Starkle starting this game, and it was the most pathetic performance like I've ever I've ever watched. And you sit there watching, and they don't pull him after three interceptions. It's like, dude, just pull the guy, like. You, you've been swapping quarterbacks all year. Just pull the guy. He's He doesn't have it today. Not the answer. <clears throat> so, and, and this is just, I mean, this is the height of, this is truly before, honestly, this is probably about the kind of stuff that broke me in terms of the Chad Morris era. Because this was the start of year two. And it was, uh, oh my, like this is year two and this happens. Yeah, this is done. This, this is out. Um, anyway, so. I think we had actually made the game fairly close. We had got it to where we had the ball with like two minutes left down seven. And I, we used to sit and watch, we call it the Eagle's nest and it's in the uh, South end zone of Razorback stadium. There's an upper deck 
right below the jumbotron, but it's only like five, uh, like five long bleacher sections long. Like it's not uh, a ton of, but it's overflow student seating. It's a deck. Um, it's great view. Anyway, we would always go watch them there. So I have just a great view of this whole game, you know, all 22 view, um, our favorite seats in the house and just miserable. Like everyone's gone from the stadium at this point. Like this game, it was a night game. It's lasted like four hours versus San Jose state or Sandy San Jose state. We're, we're losing the whole game pretty much. Like it's not even like a crazy upset. Like they're just beating us for four quarters and we just keep throwing interceptions and we're down by seven, like minute and a half left. Um, Nick Starkle winds up throws. I, maybe it was like a minute left. Cause it was almost like a hail Mary. He throws just this unnecessarily, like, but it wasn't the last play of the game. He throws up this bomb. It gets intercepted for his fifth pick of the game. And I did have a mental freak out. Like I was up in the upper deck, just, I was, it was like I lost a screw or lost like, I was just like, five interceptions, five interceptions. How do you, how do you throw five interceptions for San Jose State? Like, it's San Jose State. And they just beat us at home. We threw five. Like, Nick Starkle, you know, the James, the James guy or whatever. He's like, what happened? Like, yeah. That's all, that's all I could do. Like, Nick Starkle, what happened? What is going on? <laughs> And I mean, we are like, you know, it's a college Saturday night. Like we're planning to go out and like, you know, meet, meet people out or whatever. And I like sprint. I remember sprinting out of the stadium. Like I was just running past everyone. <laughs> I ran right up the stairs. Like I, these are big, like these are ma- Tennessee's a similar campus where there's massive hills, like at different times, like you might just be facing like a hundred stairs straight up. And I just ran up these stairs. I ran like a mile across campus to my buddy's apartment, just sprinting, just out of frustration, just pure sprinting. And the whole night, I couldn't, I couldn't keep my mind straight. All I could think about, all I could think about was Nick Starkle throwing five interceptions. Like if you had come up to me that night and asked me to buy to go get a drink, I would have been like, the five interceptions. How do you throw five interceptions versus the San Jose State? Like, how, how do you even do that? And to just make to make my brain aneurysm like worse, and he later transferred to San Jose yes. State. That's unreal. <laughs> That's like unimaginable in my brain. There's no way. There's no way. Yeah, he went there and actually started balling out for them. It's just a sick and twisted way uh, that my football life has has kind of worked. Um. Anyway, I got, I got, I got a couple more. Mostly, honestly, involving the Aggies. Well, uh, I do want to say real quick, it is hilarious yeah. too that he, yeah, not only did he transfer to San Jose State, and I get he's a he was a Power Five quarterback, but that means the San Jose State coaching staff, after he a guy throws five interceptions against your own defense, <laughs> you said. This is a guy yeah. I want to come play yeah. quarterback yeah. for us. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like almost like me personally as a fan was being punked. It was like I watched that game and I had the most miserable like experience of my life. They watched that game and wanted him on their team. What is going <laughs> on? What, what is going on? Oh, man. Um, I got – 
All right, I got, I got one more big one. I'll, I'll mention the other one as well. It's, there's not much of a story to it, but the 2009 Big 12 championship game is pretty notorious for all Husker oh, fans. Oh, that one second left? Yeah, I would have freaked out. And, and Dominican Sue has the most dominant performance in college football history, in my opinion. 12 and a half Stamp tackles, it. seven and a half of them for loss, or seven of them for loss, four and a half sacks. Just throws Colt McCoy down like a rag doll multiple times. The the whole joke for Husker Nation whenever talking about Texas is saying Colt McCoy still wakes up in the middle of the night from nightmares of Indomitian Sue just throwing him around. Uh, like the most – and what, what it really sucks is any other Nebraska quarterback for probably the next – since that since that year, if you had any other Nebraska quarterback after that, you're – offense is insanely better i think zach lee was playing quarterback at the time and he was no quarterback whatsoever um so that that adds insult to injury but yeah the fact last drive of the game huskers are winning i think it's 10 to 9 uh obviously huge defensive game and colt mccoy runs around obviously there's pressure again he throws the ball out of bounds zeros zeros hit the clock Zeros hit the clock. Bo Pelini is running out with both hands in the air thinking we won. And I, I thought we won too. But the ref said, nah, we're putting one second back on for these guys and letting Justin Tucker sneak one in. That's what was so much worse about it. He absolutely, by a hair, puts it in, I think, the left upright just barely. So that sucked. I didn't even mean to go that far into that. But I think that was the first time I cried over a football game. Uh, and I was probably too old to be shedding tears but i did anyway uh the the last one i have was this year and seth like you said when a screw goes loose i was officially broken the huskers get in a shootout get in a shootout with georgia southern and i dude honestly i don't even remember what the last play was i really don't i don't know if we had i guess we had to have had the ball we had to have turned it over or something um and I just realized that we just lost to Georgia Southern. Scott Frost, it it has officially, it, it broke me. I was broken. I remember, I I was just crucial. I think we actually had watched the Tennessee-Pittsburgh game that day at Jack Hancock's. And I was watching, yeah, I started watching the Nebraska-Georgia Southern game over there thinking, okay, cool, we'll get a, you know, we'll get an easy win or something. And it's halftime and I think we're losing or tied or something. And I was like, all right, I got to go. I got to go watch this at home. <laughs> I got to go watch this at home by myself. My, my I need loving, to be alone. I need to be alone now. And my my loving wife is sitting next to me. And when, when the game finally ends, I, I haven't spoken the whole time. I've just been <laughs> staring at the screen in anger, even as the game's going on. Like, as, you know, there's a chance we win, whatever. Finally, the clock hits zero. And I kind of just... I think I literally, you know, I just tossed my phone like it was a newspaper. I just yeah. kind of tossed it kind of like a soft. It was like I shook up the soda bottle, kind of like Madison knew immediately something oh, was about to there. happen. And been she there. just been... I've I, had right, that same right, toss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. As I tossed that phone, she just goes, Will, <laughs> like in fear, in fear of what's about to happen. Tread carefully before you do anything next. Yeah. And I just stand up in silence still kind of just like grab my head like something is about to like my head is about to explode and I just am like clenching my fist walk over grab a chair and just toss it on the ground and it's like a 
It's like very close to just I, I luckily the chair didn't break, but very close to just breaking, putting holes in the wall. And finally, before anything happened, I like she had already gone upstairs. <laughs> and I had to, <laughs> I had to run it. up and just say, look, I'm I'm sorry. I just need to I just need a minute. <laughs> like, <laughs> so I had luckily I reeled it back in before anything too bad happened. But I just remember that broke me. I was truly broken. Uh, and I think that was the only. Yeah, I mean, that that broke me. No, nothing else to it and no other situation like that had happened to me and I didn't even know I had no idea what the rest of I mean there's so much season left I was like what are we gonna do are we gonna win another game I wasn't even thinking that I was just it was just over everything yeah that's uh that unfortunately felt all too a little too real um yeah I had a I've had some just humdingers down in Dallas that have just meltdowns. It's something maybe about the heat. Maybe it's the Metroplex. I don't know exactly what it is, but man, get me down in Dallas and give me a brutal L to the Aggies and and I'm going to act a fool. I can tell you that. Um, So first would be, so I went down, I went every single year I went to Dallas while I was a student. So four straight years I went to Dallas and four straight years we lost twice in overtime like the other times by a score, like just every, like it was just constant, just pain. Uh, terrible, terrible. Ju- sophomore year, uh, I went down and luckily I was surrounded. Like it's a fun weekend for students, like a lot, ton of kids go down there. Um, and we lost, you know, kind of a last second deal, close game, first year of Chad Morris era. And somehow I had walked out of there. I had ended up with a, a full, thing of popcorn um i'm not sure exactly where i had gotten it i or i was in the club area like i was with some i had some really nice tickets actually um maybe i got it anyway well i start using it as i had been i am a changed man when i tell you guys this i am not kidding like i am a changed human in the way i speak to other beings but i used to harbor some hate and vitriol in my heart. Now I was probably generally a nice guy, but down somewhere, like there was deep hate and the Aggie core, the core of cadets got a lot of that anger. <laughs> a lot of that anger was, was misplaced onto that <laughs> Aggie core of cadets. And so we're sitting there and I'm, I am just irate at how however i couldn't even tell you how the game ended to be honest like i like i was just so like dazed in anger and i come out and you know you know when like that's even a little different situation because it's a true neutral site game so like a ton of fans of each team uh and you know the game was close it ended and so everyone's filing out at the same time huge mix of people like you know aggies razorbacks all over and well I start talking and I start chirping to some Aggies and then some core cadet guys come and long story short, this ends with me throwing popcorn and insults at a bunch of the core cadets. So I was just trashing them and throwing and I I was literally throwing handfuls of popcorn at them. Um, And just a terrible, terrible display of sportsmanship. Like something I'm thankful didn't get. There's a few things in my life. Like, I'm truly glad didn't get on camera or anything, um, at least that I know of, because like that is a bad look because that could easily 
if someone takes like a little bird's eye view video of me sitting there throwing hunks of popcorn onto uh, like at Aggie students and Corps Cadet, and that's just a bad look for Arkansans everywhere. Just like sore loser to the max, throwing popcorn on people, just screaming probably about the officials, how stupid the Aggies were, just just so much dumb stuff, just hurling it all out there, just really letting loose. Oh, man, this brings me to another one, actually, <laughs> in when I really said some things that probably took it just in the context, took it way too far. And this was at Ole Miss in my junior year, I believe. So 2019 again. Oh, yeah, this is a bad year. I mean, I was just maybe in a dark. I was just in a dark place, maybe. Um, we lost to Ole Miss. And I'd almost gotten a fight in the student because I sat in the Ole Miss student section for a while. And this young frat, like, pledge was chirping me so hard. And I was chirping. I mean, I was chirping right back at him, obviously. Like, if you come at me, like, I'm coming back at your face. Um, I'm even riding for this terrible football team. Like, I'm down here. I'm at, I'm here. It was the only time in my life I, I'm not a, a fighting person, but I truly said, okay, hit me. Like, you're talking all this junk. Like, I'm right here. Hit me. <laughs> Which, thankfully, he didn't because that ends terribly for me. I'm an Arkansas fan in the Ole Miss student section. Like, yeah, I probably whooped that guy pretty good but it does not end well for me like I'm probably getting escorted out uh, eventually anyway we lost the game and I just in the concourses yelling I'm just spewing I, I am I go in, induced by whatever happened in the Grove that day like I'm like Ole Miss was found like is perpetrated by deep-seated like systemic racism like I start bringing in some stuff <laughs> That's like deep. That's like deep. Not just like football stuff. I am pulling out skeletons. I am pulling out absolute skeletons. And it's just like, well, you know, even if some of this stuff may actually have a somewhat valid point, this is not the context to be like screaming. Like these people are going to get just pissed. And um, yeah, that, that was a bad meltdown. Bad meltdown by me. We're just airing it out right now. I'm feeling better because I've been hold I've done some stuff that is just downright disgraceful after losing football games. Um, but I'm a ch- I'm a changed man. Dang. I had uh one other one here and it's not necessarily I mean, it's just the epitome of darkness for Titans fans. Uh, as I'm sure both of you remember the wonderful Jake Locker era. Oh, um, oh yeah, not where I thought you were going. Yeah, yeah. not where I thought you were going, <laughs> but all right. The wonderful yeah. Jake Locker era. Uh, so this was week five, October 2014. The Cleveland Browns come into Nashville. Titans go up 28-3 to at half. Oh, no. 28-3 to at half. Brown score 26 unanswered, hold the Titans scoreless in the second half to win 29-28, setting the NFL record for the largest away comeback in NFL history um, en route to a, I believe, what was it, two-win season? Because we had the second overall pick with Mariota after the, the 2014 season. Yeah, probably. That sounds right, yeah. So, yeah, en route to a two-win season. Uh, just, I mean, that is the epitome of meltdown of fans, meltdown of a franchise, meltdown of a coaching staff. Everything has gone wrong. We need to blow this thing up and, uh, hopefully, 
we're not headed in that direction again here soon. Yeah, I really thought you were going algae crumpler fumbling into the uh, right outside oh, the end zone. Yeah, Brutal. I mean that's a classic. Yeah, that was too easy. The uh, yeah, I, would, I was even gonna say like last year's playoff loss left left me. I don't even think I had a meltdown necessarily. I just froze. Like last year's loss in the playoffs had me in a trance of like you're almost numb. Yeah, I was just like, and to be honest, like I've lost so much at like every level, and like I've never seen it. Like every single thing I've ever watched, pretty much besides like the Cardinals a few times when I was a kid, has ended in my team losing. Oftentimes, terribly and horribly and painfully. Um, So eventually. As your father there, you know, will you do learn to kind of take the losses maybe a little bit better. Um, but it still it still hurts just the same. It never um, gets easy. It never gets easy. And wanting to win is so awesome. Like think like wanting to win a big game is so exciting. I mean, it's just a American as you can get being competitive and wanting to win, like you think of American sports, American people. Hey, we're we're going out there. We're putting everything on the line. And we're going out there to win. I like that. <laughs> I like that a lot. It's tough, man. And you know, I will say this: if I ever am lucky enough to see it, I think what would do it for me is a Huskers championship. I don't know what I would feel if they won a Big Ten championship, but I definitely know a national championship would have to be euphoric. And I got a taste of that, honestly. You know, ten- Tennessee, I, I call myself a Tennessee fan, and I'll admit it, it's not it's not quite the same as Nebraska, but I do. I love Tennessee. Uh, and seeing them beat Alabama this year after, you know, I hadn't really seen it in my lifetime since I was a little kid, I did get a little taste of almost what that, what that yeah, euphoria like, could feel cow, like at the is, end of a game. This is bliss. It's bliss. It is bliss. That is honestly the perfect way to put it. It's bliss. And that's what, when people talk about how crazy we are for melting down or for getting so angry about this, joke's on them. They don't know. They don't know what it's going to feel like. They haven't felt the highest of highs from that bliss of winning a game that you shouldn't have won, an amazing accomplishment. So there's uh, you have to have those low lows to be able to bounce back and get those amazing high highs. Yeah, it doesn't feel – it wouldn't feel the same. If I just was born into a winning team, there'd be no – Yeah, if it was easy. Where would I be? I wouldn't be the man I am today. No, we're built in the mud. We're built in the mud. We were born in the dark. (laughs) <laughs> you, you, you were you 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 simply were not born into the dark like we were we yeah. know we know darkness and pain so we know light and joy and happiness so much more um yeah i felt awesome dude when the the racebacks beat ole miss at like 11 in the morning the other day who's terrible at basketball and i just felt i felt excited i've tried to change my mindset where i if i give if i give sports this much of my time because I, I value time very greatly. Like if I give sports this much of my, my time, I I can only have it be a net positive on me. Like I can't have it be a right. negative That's that a like Im, that negatively impacts how like my daily life. Like I, I can only if we lose, we lose, and I have to just drop it because there's going to be another game. There's going to be something else. Like there, 
some losses, yeah, maybe linger just a little bit than others, like if it's a season ender or something like that. But, you know, but I get I get just as much joy by, you know, by winning. So I can only really take the joy, like the losing. I can't let it like I can only get a boost out of sports. Uh, I can't let it be a negative draw on my life because that my life goes on regardless of if the Razorbacks win or lose. Um, so uh, I, I've I've been like. I think truly I, I, I th- maybe this is like an it, I don't know, ignorant, but uh, some kind of thought that elevates myself. But in some divine manner of this life, like I have been divinely uh, humbled in my sports life. Like the, no other many others have suffered, but like just to the extent that. I made a full college decision based, you know, to be honest, and this is putting it shortly, but on, you know, college athletics, mainly, um, mainly football. And then the two premier years of my college life, uh, junior and senior year become the two worst years in Arkansas football history. Not even like some of the bad years, like clear far and away, the two worst years in Razorback football um, is when I was holding it down as a junior and senior. It's like divine overlap that I was truly humbled into the fact that sports is just sports. And it is a great thing that brings us together. It is a great thing that we can all enjoy and that we can, you know, bring great groups of people, great joy. And like you said, the bliss, like there is nothing like that. There's nothing like the feeling when you're celebrating with all your fans and you all understand the journey that like we don't share. We, we all have our own, you know, singular perspectives on life. We all go through life in similar ways. But, you know, all those fans, you know, if it's a 12, 12 game season in football, you know that they've been there. Those all those like they've seen all of it. And more likely than not, especially like Husker fans, like, you know, that they've been watching the last 40 years. Like, no, we do have this sh- same shared perspective on Husker football. And so, like, when a big win happens, we all get to celebrate together. Um, so, hey, here's to a lot more big wins and blissful moments and maybe a lot less pain. I could go for that. For sure. I had a probably the worst actual meltdown I've ever had involving sports occurred in Bryant-Denny Stadium. Um, I don't know if we really want to get in that that story. That's up takes- to you, man. That's up. That's all on you if you want to if you want to go there. I'll allow it if you want to go there. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. We'll we'll take it. You know, at some point, this may may become an even deep, even deeper dive. Um, so the year is 2019. I am a senior in college. Um, heading down. I mean, Arkansas is a terrible, terrible football team. Um, and this. This meltdown somehow doesn't involve the Razorbacks, but somehow is so intertwined with the Razorbacks, you could not pull them apart. So I go down to Alabama. Alabama's number one team in the country, um, but two is hurt, uh, if that was any kind of hope for the Razorbacks. So this is just a testament to maybe who I am as a person. Arkansas had lost 16 straight conference games at this point. They had lost... 20 out of the last like 23 games and I still I traveled uh it's about a nine ten hour trip down to Tuscaloosa from Fayetteville still traveled there with thoughts of winning like I I didn't go like yeah I knew it wasn't likely I was there to have fun I was there to hang out um but I I woke up on that Saturday thinking that the Arkansas Razorbacks might just shock the world 
I, I legitimately had that thought in my heart. So anyway, it's sad and beautiful. All it is time. sad and beautiful. It is the great grand illusion that we all get to live with. And that I'm going to continue to choose. So if the Razorbacks are playing, I'm, I'm thinking they're going to bring home the win. I don't care who's it's against until you beat me on the field. I can think that. Um, anyway, so I'm traveling with, um, my girlfriend at the time who, um, uh, great lady would never say any, anything. Uh, this is this story in no way, um, would, would like to take her in a negative light. Um, I wish her all the best. Um, but we are traveling together. We drive down in her vehicle, me, her, and a friend, um, one of her close friends went to Alabama and was having a birthday celebration that weekend. So it conveniently lined up for us to go catch the Razorbacks game and also see her friend for her party. So uh, she drives us down there. Uh, great time on Friday night. Awesome party. You know, tons of fun people. Um, just great time. Saturday morning, wake up. I get up earlier than everybody per usual. I go to the I go to the stadium. Just have me a moment with Bryant Denny. Just a good – you ever you ever real close to a college stadium on like a Saturday morning? That's like my absolute favorite time. It's like, okay, we're eight hours away from this game. We're, we're 10 hours away from this game. It's early morning, and I'm ready. Like, <laughs> I'm here, and I'm ready. Make a little run to the grocery, tailgate all day. You know, a lot of Bama fans were with – Awesome. All great people. Lots of fun. Go check out some of the sorority houses. Have lunch at maybe like the Pie Fi house, I want to say. Just unreal situation they got going there at Bama. Awesome time. Game starts at 6. It's 5.45. I have I bought tickets in the upper deck. This actually is key to the story. This I bought tickets in the upper deck um, just to get in the ball game. But we had been given two tickets in the lower bowl um, by some of the family that was around just, you know, tailgating throughout the day. They're like, Hey, we got two extras. Um, and we said we would take them. So we're in the Bama section, um, in the opposite end of the student section. Um, anyway, it's five 45 game starts at six and I start, this is where the tension starts to rise. This was okay. To be fair, this was already a very rocky relationship, not one that was truly built on like a healthy foundation for a long term, you know, been a mutually blossoming relationship. Um, it's 545. I'm like, hey, let's go in. Like, we're about to probably get beat pretty bad. I'd at least like to see the national anthem, you know, the opening kickoff, that kind of stuff to, you know, see the pageantry. We're here at Bama. Like, this is a cool experience. Like, it's going to be a packed house. It's going to be an You're awesome. You're going to go there all the time. Yeah. yeah. No, I like never come down here. I'd like to see like, she's like, oh, we'll, we'll go in a minute. We're still like hanging out with these people. I'm like, yeah, we're going to see them after the game. No big deal. Like, we'll catch back up with them. We've been with them all day. We'll be with them again. Let's go watch the Hogs. Like, this is our only chance to see them at 0-0. Um, anyway, a little discussion back and forth. You know, no big deal. I'm still kind of hanging. Like, I mean, you know, we're hanging out, tailgating. It's not the worst situation in the world. I'm not, like, desperate to leave. Um, but we do miss, like, the anthem. We miss kind of some stuff. But we do pretty much get in for the first drive. So we haven't really missed much of the football. I, I'm fine. I'm kind of over that, whatever. Um, no big deal. We're seeing we're, – we're watching football now. We're locked in. Um, we hold Bama to a field goal on the first possession. And there's a reason I only remember the first couple possessions. Um, I, normally we talk about the last possessions or the end of the game. No, oh, I didn't even get close to the end of this game before this meltdown occurred. This was catastrophic. And uh, and nuclear in the first quarter. 
Um, so uh, <laughs> Arkansas drives down the field with relative ease. We get in the red zone. Um, and on like first and 10, we snap it over our quarterback's head. Like it gets returned 60, 70 yards. Uh, and now Bama's like at the 10 yard line. And I like admittedly do kind of have a freak out. I'm like, what are we doing? Like we, we're not even the better team. Like we're going to lose probably regardless. We can't just snap it over a guy's head. Like, you know, just the freak out. Like we can't do these kind of things. Like, you know, I'll take losing to Bama. That's going to happen, but we can't just snap it over our center's head or our quarterback's head. Like, you know, admittedly kind of, for you know, being loud, being, uh, and, uh, the girl sitting with me, she's, uh, she says, hey, quiet, you know, like, quiet down, sit down. I'm like, quiet down? What are you talking about? She's like, no, just sit down, calm down. It's not a big deal. And I'm like, I'm not going to calm down or quiet down. Like, I'm at a football game. There's 100,000 people in this stadium who are here to cheer and, like, be loud. If there's anywhere in the world <laughs> I can freak out about this football game, it's right here. Like, if there is – I am in the spot to care. Don't tell me – I. I'm not even like spewing expletives. Like I'm not even going like super. You're just upset. Yeah. No, I'm just upset. I'm just, I'm just at a football game. It's like, Hey, you know, like, no, just calm down. It's not that big a deal. I'm like, yeah, it's not that big a deal, but this is what I'm talking. Like we can't, we're just killing ourselves here. We're just killing ourselves out there. And anyway, Oh, this, so this is when the meltdown begins. Meltdown is kind of, it was a, it was a dual, uh, dual person meltdown here. So, I say, you know what? I'm just going to go watch the game. Like, I'm not taking this. I'm here to watch the Bama game. So I'm saying, all right, I'm just going to go sit in my other two tickets. Uh, so I have, a, like, <laughs> I'm going to sit in the upper deck by myself to watch this football game. I'm here to watch the game. <laughs> so bold I was move. Oh, bold move. And that one definitely got me in some, got me in some trouble, which in hindsight got me out of trouble. But Anyway, so it's it's crazy how life works. But so anyway, I walk, uh, I get, I leave, I go to the concourse, um, and that's you know pretty extensive process to get to the upper deck. Uh, so I actually go, I'm gonna about to hop on an elevator to the upper deck, and I'm I I actually have a second thought. I say, you know what, bad idea. Calm down, cooler heads will prevail. Go back and go sit in there with her, like no big deal. Uh, <laughs> just just chill out. Um, so I go, I return to my seat and, um, and I get, I get kind of the cold stare. I get kind of the cold, the cold glare. Um, understandably. Yeah, understandably. But you know, when I come and sit back down, I'm like, Hey, you know, uh, you know, sorry, I left like pretty much that's about it. Like, Hey man, I not, Hey man, Uh, like, Hey, sorry. I'm sorry. I left. Um, no, no real response, but yeah, none, none really needed. I'm locked back into the football game. Like, you know, all right, I'm sitting back down, football game's back on. And I sit there, you know, a couple, like another possession, another five minutes or so. And I still realize she hasn't said, she hasn't said anything. Um, And so I go, Hey, you know, everything. All right. Like, what's up? She's like, are you like, what are you like? Are you even going to apologize for like leaving me here? And I was like, Oh yeah, like I, I, I'm sorry. I real, I did apologize, but like I am sorry I left you. He's like, no, you didn't apologize. I was like, oh, I, I mean, I, I definitely apologized when I sat back down. Like I did say I was sorry. I, uh, yeah, I definitely did. She's like, uh, you know, it kind of goes back a bit. Like, no, you didn't. Like, uh, yeah, I did. 
And, you know, I got challenged one too many times. And I said, look, I know I did say I was sorry because it was the first thing I meant in months. And that really got a ruse. That one got got a ruse out of the crowd. And uh, yeah, wait, were there were there people around you? Oh oh, yeah, this was in front of a crowd. I'm assuming. Oh, this is in that is what this is the other situation I'm saying where I thank God to this day I was not in the Alabama student section or somewhere over there with more kids. I was in kind of there were mostly older people around me. If I had been like that because. We're not even to the full escalation part yet, but if that had happened in like a section with a lot, like it would have got filmed and it would have been like on truly barstool. Like this kid from Arkansas is getting his butt chewed out in Bryant Denny Stadium. Like they are great. Like we legitimately had a breakup fight in Bryant Denny Stadium in the first quarter of this football game. Like, we're not even, Arkansas's not even down like 10 to nothing yet. And we're already having just a full-on meltdown. So I say that, she's like, what do you mean? And then I proceed to be like, uh, I, I got really deep, which I guess I got just real, real direct to the point. Like, I don't love you. I think is really what came took like <laughs> something snapped. Being as honest as I like could be like, you know, we're in this relationship you know, and it's it was a huge buildup of, you know, your seniors in college, you've been together for a couple of years. Uh, now you're off and on, like, what's going on? And are you really have a future together? And and overall, it was the statement I was feeling. I don't I don't have true like love for you, like as a as a man should love a wife. Like that's probably not how I feel in this situation. But that's not really how it came out in Bryant Denny Stadium. It was more like I, I don't don't really love you. And then it's a whole freak out, um, you know, uh, understood. Like she gets really upset. We start having exchanging words um, there in the stadium. And then we direct it to the concourse. Well, uh, and then I also got chewed out because the crowd erupts. I'm sitting there in the concourse. I can still hear everything. And so I look up to check the monitor kind of to see what's going on. And then she's like, you can't even focus on me for like, and I'm like, yeah, something just happened. Like I'm here. I'm still at a football game. Like this relationship may end, but the Reds are back to forever. Oh, so anyway, and then we got to walk all the way to her friend's apartment. This is still like first, second quarter. I mean, it's probably, you know, the game's going on a little bit. Like this is, uh, we decide like, okay, we're going to go back to the house and talk. We left the game. So I came nine hours. I watched two possessions of that game. Um, not that it was worth watching. We lost like 48 to three or something like that. Like it wasn't anything close at all. Um, anyway, get back to her house. Kind of have the same. You, you ever had a relationship where you kind of go off and on? And then at some point it's like, no, we can change. We can be better. And it's like, no, we probably could have. Maybe if we had done that the first time, but like this, you know, the third <laughs> or fourth time, like we're probably not going to change. Like this is kind of just us. And it is what it is, but you know, we ain't going to change. So anyway, uh, fi- you know, finalized deal. Uh, I would say that that relationship actually needed maybe something kind of big to really break it apart. Um, or else it would have just kind of kept coming back, um, in and out. Um, so that was definitely a nuclear event, um, that kept us apart. Um, and you know, I hope, I hope the best for both of us, but things really took a different turn, I, I packed up my bag, I left the house, and I see her car sitting there. So I see her car sitting out in front of her friend's house, and I just think to myself, 
well, buddy, you're a long way from home. <laughs> and so now I have, now it's about 10 o'clock on a Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. I have no house, no car to get home. I'm nine hours from Fayetteville. Um, and it was a pretty lonely moment, a pretty rock bottom in my life. Honestly, like a funny story to tell, but at the time was not a good feeling, was not a good feeling at all. Um, fortunately got hooked up with a fellow Brentwood Bruin, uh, Hudson Knuckles lived right down the street, actually, um, less than a mile from where I was. So once I got in touch with him, um, I was, he was like, you want me to come pick you up? I was like, no, honestly, I need this walk. I need I need this. I need this walk. <laughs> so having a good little solo walk, got there. Him and his buddies were watching college football, Pac-12 after dark, uh, had a little milkshake. And he actually had his other roommate had a buddy from Arkansas staying on his couch already. So I had a baked in ride to get me home. So really, the good Lord was watching out for me on the back end. Um, he probably didn't get me in that situation. I think I might have worked my way uh worked my way into that one but uh he definitely got got me got me out so that was truly a meltdown um and caused by the I always say if Chad Morris isn't the coach of the Razorbacks I'm probably married to someone someone different these days you never know how that how that would have worked out so uh, I guess in the end we had to be thankful and grateful for all things even even as difficult as they may seem in the moment dang what I, what I love about that story, too, is there are people, there are Alabama fans out there that are telling a story about you. Oh, and yeah. that they will. I they will this they're going to say, remember when that that happened at the Arkansas yeah. game? Yeah, that was that was that was memorable. That was not that was not discreet or anything. It was standing up in the section uh not, like not voices kept quiet or anything it was uh definitely a scene to be to be yeah i i wouldn't mind seeing that happen like well i don't want to wish that upon somebody yeah that's what i'm saying that is pretty entertaining um so i'm glad we could give people a show um but yeah pretty big meltdown i think that takes the cake <laughs> It's just melting down. Oh, literally, we snapped the ball over our center's head, and all of a sudden, just my whole your life changes. My life changed on that over. Like my life truly changed on that over snap. <laughs> Gosh, I I think we just gotta. We yeah, we gotta wrap it up at at, yeah, at that, that point. I, we're not topping that. Um, you don't want to. You don't no, want to top. No, that. no. You yeah, you really don't. Guys, uh, thanks again for listening. I really, I really hope you made it all the way through this pod. Uh, I'm sure you were entertained. Uh, but guys, yeah, thanks again for listening. This has been Patriot Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Check them out, sixpackcoverage.com, on Instagram and Twitter at sixpackcoverage. Check us out on Instagram at Patriot Sports and on Twitter at Patriot underscore sports. Guys, thanks again for listening, and we will see y'all next week. Patriot out. Thank you.